the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is pre-recorded. This is the Paul George Real Estate Show with your host, Paul George. Sponsored by the Paul George Real Estate Group. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and not necessarily those of Salem Media Group, staff, management, or advertisers. And now, here's your host, Paul George. Welcome to the Paul George Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Paul George, a 30-plus year real estate agent who helps represent people who buy and sell and build homes in central Ohio. Today, we're going to talk about the builders in Columbus, their challenges this year. Um, We all know what challenges um, people have finding houses and things like that, but builders also have their challenges, and we're going to talk about those a little bit. one of the things I want to do is talk a little bit about what's going on in the market right now. And sometimes I will use some statistics and things like that. And I'm going to quote some statistics today from our multiple listing system. Our multiple listing system is the system that real estate agents use to put houses um, basically out to the public for sale. And then that gets disseminated on things like Zillow and Realtor.com and those kind of things. Our multiple listing system serves Franklin County, Delaware County, Fayette, Licking, Madison, Marion, Pickaway, all the surrounding counties. And then there's also parts of like Athens and Champaign and Clark, uh, Clark County, Clinton. The reason I mention all those is because of, I don't want you to get caught up in the numbers per se as much as I do the trends of how they compare from year to year and things like that. Um, right now we have about, 3,100 homes for sale in a multiple listing. And to the to most people, it's like, what does that mean? Does that mean anything? Uh, last year, about this time, we had about 2,100 or so. So the good news is we're getting more and more houses on the market. The bad news is, is historically, this is still extremely, extremely low. Um, a good amount is maybe 6,000, 7,000 houses for sale. Um and like I say, we've been up to twelve, thirteen thousand, like in two thousand six, two thousand seven, when there was a lot of um, short sales and things like that going on. But one of the ways I want to want you to understand is that we have a critical shortage, and we do have a conundrum here with this shortage. You'd think that you know uh, business would be great, and people are out buying as many and they go up as quickly as they can. A few months ago, that was the case. And like I said, we've taken a little bit of a pause lately. Um, It's not going quite as quickly as it was, but the challenge is even though the market's slowing down a bit, and I do think this is very temporary, it's slowing down a little bit. um, Prices are still going up or they're staying stable. And that's one of the benefits of being in Columbus as compared to when you go to the coast and things like that, their prices are actually starting to go down a little bit. So that's one of the challenges we have in this market. One way to combat this is can we build our way out of this? Um, you know, there's not enough existing homes or there's not enough people who want to trade their 3% interest rate for a 7% interest rate. So what do we do? Well, let's go to a builder and see what they can do. Well, this is what I want to talk about. They have their challenges, too. They are like any other business. They want to build as many as they can, want to sell as many as they can, but they have some outside forces that it's not a complete, typical capitalist system, I guess, to say, where, hey, give them what they want. You've got outside factors that come into play here, and we're going to talk to the executive director of the Building Industry Association of Columbus and talk about some of his challenges. Um because we kind of have a love-hate relationship with builders and developers and things like that. And the love part is, is that we need them badly. Uh, The hate part is, is we don't need them in our own backyard. Um, We're going to hear the term NIMBY and things like that. And uh, John's going to go through and see how we can talk about some of the ways we can educate people to where it might be beneficial to everybody. Um, It's a hard 
it's a hard hill to climb, but we are going to certainly try to do that. Um, one of the things I want to talk about is what I do as a real estate agent. As a real estate agent, a lot of people look at me and say, okay, I'm going to go build with, with MI Homes since they're the largest builder right now. Um, I don't need Paul. I don't want Paul. I don't need a representative. I can just go into the builder and they're going to treat me well and they're going to show me how the system works. That is true in a lot of cases, but at the end of the day, you need to understand that if you would happen to walk into a builder and say, hey, I want to build a house, um, sometimes you don't know any different that you can actually have somebody come in and work on your behalf. Every single builder, I've never run into one yet in Columbus, Ohio, that's not honest and tries to do the best for their clients because, of course, they want repeat business. But at the end of the day, you want to make sure that you have somebody that's kind of looking out for your best interest. And that doesn't necessarily mean getting the best price or getting this and this. Sometimes it gives you options as to you don't know what you don't know, meaning that, hey, is this option available to us? Hey, can we add an extra two feet to the back of the house? Um hey, this guy down the street had black shingles on his roof. I don't really want black shingles. Um, is there? Do we have choices when it comes to that? The other part that happens is I am another set of eyes when it comes to the building, um, meaning that when the house goes up, I'm a very, very active agent, meaning that I actually follow through from the signing of the contract to the closing. There's a lot of things that go on in between there. Builders are very good at, they have a lot of um, backup, meaning that they have, most of them have inspectors that don't work for them. They have independent inspectors that come in and take a look at things. Uh, every single township, every single community, like the city of Columbus, like uh, uh, Delaware County, they have their own inspectors to come in and kind of keep an eye on things. I'm just another set of eyes that comes in and says that, uh, hey, this may not be right. You may want to give your supervisor a heads up when it comes to something like that. Um, those are the kind of little things that I do. Um, I can be as involved as you want. There's a lot of people who want me to come with them when they come and pick out uh, interiors. They want me to come in and say, hey, do we need this fireplace? Do we need this master tub? I don't say yes or no to any of them. I just say that here's what people are doing these days. Here's what they're not doing. Um Sometimes they like that. I break up a lot of fights between husband and wives because husbands want, you know, I want the big, you know, finished basement. And the wife says, is that where we need to put our money? Um, so I just tell them, hey, it's worth this much if you do this, this type of thing. It's very subdivision dependent, too. If you get a, if, they don't call them this anymore, but empty nester subdivisions or zero lot line subdivisions where, you know, your next buyer might be somebody that doesn't have kids or doesn't want basements or something like that, and you want to do that, I'm just going to say, hey, if you call me in five years, is this going to be as saleable as it was when you thought we were coming in doing these kind of things? So I also kind of give them some ideas on uh, financing. Most builders have their own financing. Um, how does that compare to if you went out and got it on your own? Well, those are the kind of things that you can bounce things off of me. Um, one of the things I'm, I don't know if, I'm kind of known for, but when I go to a new build and I see some of the uh, salespeople that I've seen before in other situations, I have this 30 question questionnaire for builders. I know all the answers to them. The builders know all the answers, but buyers need to understand that, Hey, is this allowed? So by the way, if you want that questionnaire, I've got three different ones. One of them is for production builders, which is like an MI and uh Pulte and some of these others. Um, because they have their own rules and things like that. But email me at paul at pauljorgerealestate.com, and I will send out my questionnaire. Even if you don't use me, you need to walk in armed with something like this. The other one I have is for a custom builder. Custom builders are a little bit different in that, um, you know, you don't necessarily go to a decorating center. You go to a supplier that supplies the countertops. You go to those kind of people and say that, um, hey, I'm working with Roman Alien Hughes. What do I need to pick out here? What's my choices? Those are the kind of things that I can help you with as compared to, you know, just going uh, on your own and trying to figure it out. Um, some builders, when you get a first-time home buyer, sometimes they get overwhelmed with choices. 
there's certain builders out there that will say, here, here's your four choices. That's all you get. Some people are okay with that. Some people are saying, no, I really want this and this. So those are the kind of things that I will talk to you about saying this is available. This is not available. Um, one of the other things that I can do, if you'd like me to do, is I will take pictures during the process. You know, I've got a client that lives in Cleveland right now. She's building with Fisher Homes, and she was ecstatic that I was over there when they dug the hole and they put the foundation in and things like that. So I took a video and sent it to her. Those are the kind of things where somebody who's representing you might do, and I don't take that lightly. Um, I do whatever you, as much as you like me to do, but at the end of the day, I like to be involved. Um, other agents look at it like uh, some of the salespeople will go in and say, Paul, great, I appreciate you bringing them here because that was your job. Now get out of my way and let me show them what we do here. So some people are okay with that, some are not, and I can do whichever you want to do, and most agents can do that. So keep that in mind when you're thinking about building. Um, the other things that I do when it comes to that is that you may have a house to sell. How do you time that with, okay, this build is going to take six, seven, eight months. When do we put our house on the market? Do we have enough money, equity to put down because the builder is going to want some money up front? Um, so how do we time those kind of things? The nice thing about that is that I can help you with, okay, if we have this, it's going to be done in July. When do we need to get our house on the market? And that's one of those things where I really need to um, time or figure out what's going on in your current market. It also gives us some time to kind of get your house prepared and things like that. So if you're thinking about building, whatever happens, do not try to go it alone. Give me a call or give your agent a call. The other nice thing is almost every builder will compensate us. It doesn't come out of your pocket. The price of the house is exactly the same, whether you're represented or not. So there's no reason not to have some representation when you build. And I'm getting to the point where most builders are happy that they have somebody working on their behalf. Um, so keep that in mind when it comes to that. So now that I've done all that, we're going to introduce John when he gets back. But we're going to take a quick break. I love hearing your feedback and your questions on the show. Please submit your questions at paul at Um You can submit your questions as well at, at our Facebook page, facebook.com, or the Paul George slash the Paul George group. And don't forget to like the page when you're there. And our website, remember, is halfthebeatles.com. We'll see you in a bit. Navigating the complexities of the current real estate market can be a daunting task. Fortunately, you have a trusted ally, the Paul George Group of Keller Williams Greater Columbus Realty. From the moment you start your journey, the Paul George Group with over 30 years of experience will be right beside you, guiding you through every step of the process, whether it's finding the perfect home or building, skillfully negotiating on your behalf, working with lenders, managing inspections, or handling title matters, their expertise in ensures your best interests are always at heart. Don't hesitate to take the first step towards your real estate goals. Reach out to the Paul George Group for a no-obligation consultation. Call 614-570-2853. That's 614-570-2853. Or email paul at paulgeorgerealestate.com. When it comes to making informed decisions in the real estate world, trust the Paul George Group to lead the way. Visit the Paul George Real Estate Group at paulgeorgerealestate.com. That's paulgeorgerealestate.com. Now back to your host, Paul George. Welcome back to the Paul George Real Estate Show. Again, I'm Paul George, your host. I am here today. We're going to talk about some builder challenges that the builders in Columbus, Ohio have. And I want to introduce my guest. My guest is the executive director of the... Building Industry Association of Columbus. Um, his name is John Melkai. He's been doing this for a little bit. I'm going to give me a two-minute spiel of what you do, John. Well, first off, Paul, thanks for having me here today. Uh, the BIA has existed for 80 years, and we represent the residential development and construction industry here at Central Ohio and surrounding counties. And we're fortunate to represent not only the builders, but 
realtors and everybody who takes part in the new um, new residential construction process. Well, uh, in, just because I'm a member of the BIA, um, I know there's some affiliates that are doing that as well, and I love it just because of I like being on top of what's going on around the city and the different subdivisions and the different uh, the challenges they have as well. Um, okay, John, you're on the hot seat. Uh, quick, what's going on <laughs> with the builders and the building? What's going on here in uh, Columbus, Ohio, in the building industry? I think, first off, we have some first world problems in central Ohio. It's <laughs> a and good way to put it. There's growth here. And when you look at the state of Ohio, we've got 88 counties and 60 plus of them lost population in the last census. Our region's growing, and that's a good thing, to the tune of about 89 people a day. Every day for the next 25 day, twenty-five years are expected to move to central Ohio. So that presents a great opportunity for uh, the residential construction industry uh, to be a, be a key component of that growth. One of the challenges we have, though, is we've not been in building near enough to keep up with the pace of that growth for some time. Shoot me some numbers on that. You, how, many, how many new builds do we have every year? How many do we need? Uh, if you can project that out a little bit. Yeah. So last year we built in the 12,000s um, in terms of for sale and for rent homes. So 12,000 housing units were constructed in central Ohio last year, a little bit more than that. Where do we need to be? Probably in the 16 to 19,000 home range. And we have been running that deficit for some time. So not only are we growing, we also have to catch up a little bit as well. We absolutely have not been building enough homes since the little bit before the Great Recession. So really at 2006, our market started to stop producing as much housing, and, and we've been trying to dig out of that since then. Again, I don't think people understand the challenges that we have with that. Um, I, you know, We keep talking about all the new industry that's coming here. We've talked about Intel. We've talked about the Honda EV plant, the talk – where are we going to put all these people? And when you talk about units and things like that, does this include rentals? Do we still have a shortage of those as well? We have a shortage of absolutely every housing type and product across the spectrum, from subsidized affordable housing all the way to the highest end custom homes. There is a deficit at every point along the scale. And it's really important for our region and community to have a full spectrum of housing options because people transition from one to the other and move up and down throughout product types, as you see with people and clients you've worked with for years. So somebody may be in a rental today and then move into a home and then move into another home, and then they want to downsize and, and move into active adult rental properties, which are a growing trend here in central Ohio. So we need more of everything. Here's what are... Some of our sister cities, like in North Carolina or some of them in Texas or some of them in, well, we talked about Indianapolis a little bit. What makes them a little easier? They they don't seem to have as many challenges as we do here. Why is that? We're actually conducting a study to, to highlight some of those challenges because we think that there's going to be need, need to be work at the state level of government to help us combat some of these. But I can highlight a few of them, and that is – in central Ohio and in Ohio, we have many school districts, over 600. When you move to some of these southern um, states that we're in economic competition with, they have countywide schools. So those arbitrary lines where you see in one neighborhood on one side of the street is X school district and on the other side of the street is Y school district, and that has a great impact on the price of a home, that doesn't necessarily exist in some of the states we're competing against. Some of the other challenges I've heard of from people come from out of state is that we have a lot of townships. We have a lot of cities. We have a lot of this. And when you go into some of these other places, they don't. What are some of the differences here when it comes to that as compared to an Indianapolis or something? Absolutely. One of the biggest challenges we have is the number of zoning entities um, that we are, have to go through to get a development. So for those who are unfamiliar it's not just as easy as seeing a piece of open land and then saying we're going to build houses here. You typically have to go through a local government process in order to get approval to do that. In many of the other states, there's either countywide zoning 
or regional zoning. Well, here in Ohio, we have very specific localized zoning, which makes it very difficult because in each township, everybody has a different idea of what they want. So our builders are navigating 20 different entities in Delaware County alone versus when you look at an Indianapolis and you look at um, some of their suburban markets, there may be four zoning entities in the entire county. Um, or in the southern states, there's just one. And that makes things a little more streamlined and, and more predictive for our builders to deal with. And they don't change as much on a on a per parcel basis. Okay. I've, I've, I've mentioned this before when I've heard you speak and things like this. And I've been to zoning meetings where when it's something that's a big project, people come out in their own neighborhood. Uh, the last one I was at was at a township and there was a developer. Um, it was a builder who builds condos and they wanted to put so many condos on there. So the builder comes in, you know, all dressed in a nice, you know, suit. They've got their attorneys that are there trying to uh, help everybody understand how this is beneficial but then on the other side, you see people who own the land that, you know, the guy comes in in his jeans. He's got his suspenders. He knows the person on the township and things. How do you guys get past something like that when the zoning regs say this is allowed here? How do you get past something like that in a nice way that doesn't tick off everybody? Because I'm I'm playing both sides. I see the residential side where I want the people to be happy there. But I also see the builder side saying, we need this. Where are we going to put them? Absolutely. And I always joke, this is one of the politically unifying things we have in the United States right now, or at least in central Ohio. You can go to the bluest part of Columbus and they will have a sign in their front yard that says, no matter who you are, or where you're from, you're my neighbor, unless you want to build an apartment at the end of the block. Yep. And you can go up into the reddest part of Union County and they'll say, keep government out of my life unless it's me mandating three-quarter acre lots with four-sided architecture and certain water features on the property. And that, that's three miles away from me. And it seems to be something that's unifying. Uh, the reality is we need political leaders who understand that this growth is coming and we need to be responsible with our land use and providing housing for residents, not only today, uh, but those that are coming tomorrow. With that, though... Taking a step back here a little bit, we talked about some of the sister cities. Give me some numbers. You know, you talked about housing starts here, 12,000, 13,000. Yeah. Give me some of the ones that you know of off the top of your head. Oh, if I, I think in the, in the North Carolina. So when you look at Charlie and, Charlotte and Raleigh, they're both in the 20s. Um, 20,000 units? 20-plus thousand units. Austin, Texas is over 40,000 units. Uh, Nashville has traditionally been in the high 20s to 30s. So even Indianapolis, while we're about on par with them in terms of total units developed, they build 2,500 more single-family homes to us. And a lot of that is because in Columbus, we've been able to do some infill apartment multifamily living because the city's been actively trying to um, increase the housing supply. That difference in the single-family market is reflected in the suburban and exurban communities where, as you talked about earlier, the difference in um, streamlined process of townships and, and local governments, you know, tends to lead to more housing production in the Indianapolis market, which ultimately leads to lower housing costs. And I know Indianapolis is growing, but they're not growing as quickly as we are. I don't think their projections are that close either, but they're building about the same amount we are. Um, some of the things that, again, I see as a challenge here is that we talked about uh, townships and some of these other entities like that, who is the most accommodating to helping helping with this problem? It's, it's an interesting uh, question. I think it, it depends what type of product you're, you're looking to do. Um, I would say the, we typically get a lot of good positive calls. Um, Whitehall has been extremely proactive in welcoming development. We've seen a lot of good things um, coming from that community. Uh, really until recently, Marysville has been a pretty welcoming place to new development. However, we've seen uh, a, a project now that's going to be on the ballot this fall, which would have provided a lot of housing opportunities and another one that looks likely to be voted down in the near term, which is, you know, not things we like to see. 
the city of Delaware really are, I will tell you this, the county seats outside of Franklin County have all done a really good job, I think, of trying to identify ways to improve their housing stock. Those are all areas where we look at. And it seems to me like the city of Columbus is actually starting to do a little more, probably more the rental side, I'm guessing to say, because one of the things I noticed about Columbus, you can build up, whereas the outlying counties, you can't. So they have a little more things like that available to them. What's been your experience with that? I think the city of Columbus has been well-intentioned, but I think they've got some steps uh, that they could additionally take on the regulatory side to improve housing stock altogether, but headed in the right direction. Well, all right, John, you're not off the hook yet. We've got another segment with you, a couple of other segments, actually. So we're going to take a quick break. Um, Just remember, if you're thinking about buying or selling a home, give me a call. Um, This is a confusing market, and you need somebody who's been doing this for a while to kind of say, hey, now's the time, or sometimes it's now's the time to wait. More often than not, though, I sit there and tell you what you need to do to get prepared, whether it's now or in the in the future. My number is 614-570-2853. And again, that 2853 is BTLE. That's that Beetle thing again. If you need to get a hold of me via email, it's paul at pauljorgerealestate.com. And again, submit your questions to that. We'll be right back. Submit your questions for the show to paul at pauljorgerealestate.com. That's paul at pauljorgerealestate.com. Now back to your host, Paul George. Welcome back to the Paul George Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Paul George, and I'm here today with John Melkai, the Executive Director of the Columbus BIA. Um, This is what I do with everybody, John. I want to ask you a little bit about something outside of what you do kind of get to let people get to know you a little bit better since you're on radio. Nobody can see that you're this handsome, good looking guy, but let's find out a little bit about you. First of all, tell me about your family real quick. So I am uh, very fortunate. My, uh, my wife uh, said yes to me uh, uh, 13 years ago. Okay. And we live in uh, Worthington. We have two daughters. Uh, Mary is age uh, 10 and Claire is age seven. Man, you got the fun young stuff, the two daughters. Good for you. All right, a couple of other little quick questions I like to ask people. Um, if if you had any any talent you could instantly learn, or you had any talent you wish you had, what would that be? I am. This is ironic because I work for the building association. I cannot fix anything. <laughs> You're one of those like me, huh? But it, really- is, it is depressing. My um, my grandfather um, and and my great grandfather owned were uh, had an auto repair shop. They could fix anything. Um, uh, my my grandmother's husband late in life was in uh, the air conditioning repair business. I am I can do light bulbs. I can do a few other things, but I'm not near as handy as I wish I were. That's just funny. I, I actually showed a house earlier today, uh, actually yesterday, I should say. And I, the guy that was there, this is the first time I met him. I talked to him over the phone and he was just, he's, he owns some apartments and things like that. And he's very handy. He works on them himself. And we were talking about things about this house that the owner couldn't do. And he's just shaking his head. Like, don't people know how to do anything? I say, yeah, you'd think this guy with the BIA would know how to do something here, knows well, I, how to pick up a hammer. Right? I, I know how to pick up the phone and call a great BIA member to come oh, there pick you something. Go. Smooth. That was a good one here. So let's get back to what we're talking about here. Um, John, What you know? we talked a little bit about who the BIA represents. Who do they rep- Do they represent? I know they represent builders. Do they represent developers or who all is included in these groups? Absolutely. We have builders, developers, um, and within kind of that, it's everybody from a one-person remodeling shop to the largest home builders in central Ohio and everybody um, from Habitat for Humanity and Homeport to our largest mixed-use multifamily developers are part of our association. And anybody who touches a project that helps them build is a member of our association. Okay, so 
if somebody needs a recommendation or something like that, they can always check you guys out or get on the website or something like that. Absolutely. They can come to BIAHomeBuilders.com. We've got a um, place to search there for, okay. for different trades, and you can just pick up the phone and call, and we'll try to send you in the right direction as well. Okay. We're talking about some of the challenges and the shortages and things like that. I want to talk about some of the positive things a little bit because of when I'm showing houses, if a house is, you know, you say you live in Worthington. If you live in old Worthington, the house might be 100 years old. If you build a brand new MI home, give me some of the ideas of how the house building process has evolved for the better. Um, When I say that, I talk about. You know, I've seen some of the basement warranties. I've seen some of the just sump pumps. You know, the house I showed yesterday didn't have a sump pump. It was because it was built before a certain time. Tell me some of the things that uh, are good now about houses compared to years ago, I guess. One of the first things I think a new home buyer is going to see is the savings in their energy bills. Without question, and this is something we wish that they would take into account when they underwrite, mm-hmm. um, you're going to save more on utilities. Because these homes are built tighter, they're built more efficiently, and they're built to the latest codes. And that that's going to help. Um, the second thing I always point to is the, the use of space. Um, when you go into some of the older homes that exist in central Ohio, you just see a lot of wasted space. And, and our builders have really figured out a way to maximize space. So even you could look at two homes that are 1,700 square foot, one built today and one built 40 years ago, and I guarantee you, the the newer home feels bigger than the older home. Yeah, it's uh again this house that I showed it had a finished basement and the seller made a big mistake and they finished off almost every bit of the basement and they didn't leave any space for storage. The only space for storage was around the furnace and things like that. And it's like I don't think a builder would have done this if they would have known that, hey, you need some common sense space and things like that. Absolutely. And you see great spaces in our garages today that that did not exist. One of the, you know, sometimes builders get a bad rep for, okay, we want to develop this subdivision. And when we develop this subdivision, what are some of the things they do on top of just building the house that either the county requires, the subdivision requires, or just um, common sense requires? What are they doing now is the, compared to 50 years ago. Well, you know, it's funny. You you talk about the kind of the public perception of developers. There's not too many movies you turn on where the developer is a good guy. Um, And that's unfortunate because what they are doing ultimately is providing housing for our community. And what they're doing in order to make that happen is, you know, they're working with Ohio EPA to make sure that the the stormwater and the land usage is, is effective use of the land and is not detrimental to the overall environment in the state of Ohio. And I, and I would tell you that in most cases, um, the development of residential housing outperforms the existing agriculture in, in some cases. So we see that. We see traffic improvements that have to go in that end up benefiting all around and contributions to the communities, um, to the schools, and, and other components that go into just being able to build a home. These are hurdles that didn't really exist a few years ago. And the regulatory cost for building a home continues to go up, and that has a huge impact on pricing. You, I, th- I think a study from the National Association of Home Builders said somewhere in the 60% range of the entire cost of a house was regulatory. So that cost does add up, and it impacts our consumers. And not fun fact for you, for every $1,000 a price goes of the price of a home goes up in central Ohio, a thousand people are priced out. Hmm. So when we hear sometimes a builder's going through and a community says, well, I want you to do X, I want you to do Y, and I want you to do Z, the builder will say, I can do that, but that's going to add $30,000 to the house. Well, that's 30,000 people that can't buy one house. So spread that out over an entire community and and those costs do add up. And, And that's the part I want to educate people as to, you guys keep pushing for this and pushing for this and pushing for this, but at the end of the day, you're pushing people out of the market. And that's where we have to do a better job of educating people saying that, yes, these are all good, but did we really need that that half-acre lake that they made us put in because it has to be green space? It, so, it, What we never think about is for every additional regulation that comes on, there's nothing that's ever removed. No. And we continue to layer them up and layer them up and then say, boy, why can't we build affordable housing? Yeah. No. 
Uh, I get it. And like I said, I see it all the time, but I do see the benefits some ways in, I try to, you know, when people are at the top of their budget, when they're building, I always talk to them about, okay, if you had an existing home, you're going to be maintaining it. You're going to be doing things like, you know, painting the house and things like that. When you build, you know, one of the benefits they get, probably the biggest thing I tell and you hit on that was the energy efficiency. They can't believe a 3,000-square-foot house has a gas bill that's less expensive than their 2,000-square-foot Worthington house just because of the tightness and things like that. The other things they don't realize is that you're not doing the extra maintenance that you would normally have, you know, for the first five years. Mm -hmm. And most of the houses now where they've come, a lot of them are maintenance-free. You know, they're not doing, you got to paint the wood trim around the windows. They don't do that. They use some sort of composite or plastic that doesn't take as much those kind of things. Um, so again, being a big fan of building, I just want to make sure that people understand that there's benefits you don't see all the time. The other things, you know, we talked about now they're making them put community centers. We're making put walking paths. Those are memberships you're not paying for when you go to the gym or something like that. Cause some of these places have it. I just sold one down in uh, the short North and yes, they've got $300 worth of monthly fees, but She's got a pool. She's got a workout area. She's got a coffee shop right in the the building itself. Bada bing, bada bean, whatever. What is that, Gina? So those kind of things are just benefits that, yeah, you're adding on to them, but you're actually getting use out of those things, and you're not spending the money somewhere else. You know, we talked about how much regulation is going into this. One of the questions I always ask and I want people to understand is that if I'm building a house, how many different jobs is that making for that. Do you have an idea of how many people it takes to build a house? There's a lot of people that it takes to build a home, but we have a stat that's uh, for every single family home that's built, 2.9 jobs are sustained. Uh, uh, that's sustained. Yeah. Sustained. Uh, and so it, it, it provides us a lot of opportunities and it's one and a half jobs for every multifamily unit that's built. And I think 0.75 jobs for every hundred thousand dollars spent on a remodeling job. And that could be at somewhere throughout the supply chain. And, it, you know, we have heard a lot about economic development and whether it's Intel, the Honda battery plant, any of the number of great projects that are coming to central Ohio. Uh, but the construction industry remains um, one of the best employers in this region and one of the most empl important employers in this region. One of the other challenges I know they're going to have because of there's so many projects going on is that I'm guessing Intel pays more than uh, Pulte Homes pays. And if I was a tradesperson, we've got to understand that, um, you know, house prices may go up just because they got to compete with some of the people with the big pockets. Um, and I, I just wrote a, my last blog, I think was on, if you're a homeowner and you're thinking about remodeling your house or something like that, do it now because those tradespeople are going to be pulled in a lot of different directions. Uh, so, again, if you're thinking about anything, especially with the winter coming up and the projects getting started, hey, you need a new driveway, you need a new bathroom remodel, you better start doing it now and start getting, getting it done now. When we come back, I will share my tip of the week, and it's going to be a little bit different this week, but we're also going to talk to John a little bit about... Uh, their big event coming up this year it's going to be the parade of homes it's going to be a little bit different and uh, i'll let him talk about it um remember to catch me at halfthebeatles.com please i keep begging you to get send me questions i've got a bunch of questions uh, queued up but uh, we don't have time to get to them all the time but i will i promise paul at paulgeorgerealestate.com Navigating the complexities of the current real estate market can be a daunting task. Fortunately, you have a trusted ally, the Paul George Group of Keller Williams Greater Columbus Realty. From the moment you start your journey, the Paul George Group with over 30 years of experience will be right beside you, guiding you through every step of the process, whether it's finding the perfect home or building, skillfully negotiating on your behalf, working with lenders, managing inspections, or handling title matters, their expertise 
ensures your best interests are always at heart. Don't hesitate to take the first step towards your real estate goals. Reach out to the Paul George Group for a no-obligation consultation. Call 614-570-2853. That's 614-570-2853. Or email paul at paulgeorgerealestate.com. When it comes to making informed decisions in the real estate world, trust the Paul George Group to lead the way. Visit the Paul George Real Estate Group at paulgeorgerealestate.com. That's paulgeorgerealestate.com. Now back to your host, Paul George. Thanks for again, thanks again for listening in. I'm Paul George, your host for the Paul George Real Estate Show. Um, we are talking with John Melkai, um, the executive director of the BIA of Columbus, and the last segment, a lot of times I will try to give you some tangent, tangent, uh, not tangent, tangible. That's what I'm trying to say. Thanks, Gina. Some tangible information on uh, preparing your house to sell, whether it's now or whether it's down the road. And when I talk about down the road, um, today's tip is kind of for that purpose. Um, and again, I keep telling everybody when I walk and things like that, I saw uh, a guy who's out maintaining his um, front yard. And I mean, it looks great. He's got flowers everywhere on the side. He's got um, some neat bushes that are all trimmed up and things like that. And I always think about people like that and say, hey, if something happens and they call me in November and they need to sell, uh, I'd really like to use a picture of when the house is looking at its best. So my tip today is that, hey, if you're in a house, take some pictures of the different seasons even the different uh, holidays and things like that. I may not necessarily use them, but those are nice things to keep on your countertop when somebody's coming to look at your house if they see the Halloween pictures. But, you know, when you got the picture of, you know, this time of year and you got the deer in the backyard and the fire going and things like that, that just creates a nice atmosphere for people to say, hey, I can live in a place like this. So take pictures. All right. So, like I said, we're back here with uh, John Melkai, and I do want to talk about uh, the upcoming Parade of Homes. But uh, before we get to that, I wanted to go through a couple of real specific things for you, John. Um, and, again, I didn't give you any heads up on these, but um, who's the biggest builder in the city? Uh, I think year-to-date, MI Homes is the top uh, top-selling builder in central Ohio. And... Uh, you know, and again, I regress a little bit, but I always think of this quote from Bob Schottenstein, who talked about our challenges here in Columbus about our yard size. And do you remember what that was? Were you? I believe he said in no market where MI builds, and I think they're in 13 markets, uh, are they um, required to build side yards uh, the size <laughs> that they do in Columbus? And Columbus is the side yard capital of America. That's what I always hear. Columbus is the side yard capital of America. We don't know how good we have it here. Um, I saw people are asking me sometimes, okay, how much does a new build cost? And I got the average square, average price per square foot is about $209, which 20 years ago, we used to use a hundred, $110 a square foot. And again, out of that, I think so much of it is land cost and government regulation. So one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, do you, I think I saw we have, 150, 200, how many different subdivisions are being built right now? How many are going on right now? You have me stumped. Okay. Right I, I think, and I was just amazed that we have a shortage, but we have a hundred different subdivisions that builders are still building in. That just kills me when I look around and say, we still have a shortage and they're building all this and we still don't have enough. Not near enough. And and one of the challenges is, is that in these developments where maybe it's a hundred home subdivision, with better land use, that should be 150 or 175. Yep. And there's still a need for that extra 50, 75 homes. So those homes just go down the road yep. uh, somewhere else. And, and that's just it. You, you know, we don't want people building on the 25 acres or something like that. But eventually it's going to happen because you're only letting us build so many per acre on this one. Now we're just going to have to use more land to build that many houses again. So it's hard for people to see stuff like that. But um you know, it'll come, and that's why I say that's our job. We're smart enough people to educate people to say, here's how it benefits you, and here's how it's not going to benefit you if you don't do this. And, Paul, I think you've seen some communities. You asked me who's doing it well in terms of communities. I'd point to 
Lincoln County is going through a planning process, knowing that growth's coming their way. So is Fairfield County. We, we've seen some communities try to tackle this head on um, in a smart way. Yeah, and I certainly don't want to badmouth these communities because, again, it is their community. They can do what they want. And the best thing I'm hearing is that they're starting to see what's coming and they're starting to accommodate a lot more than they used to. Um, basically, we don't have a choice, but the the benefit of doing that now is that we can plan for it. It's not just going to haphazard, I just want this parcel and this parcel and this parcel. Now we can say, let's take an overall view of this and see how it all fits in and it's beneficial to everybody. Absolutely. And then, you know, we get into arguments over product type. Um, yeah. Everybody wants to see high-end housing. Um, they have different views on what should be there. And I always tell folks, the, the people I work for are not in the business of building things that people don't want. Nope. So while it may not be your taste, it certainly is somebody else's. And, and they spend an awful lot of money and time trying to figure out what people want. And that's what we build to. Well, with that, I'm going to transition over to one of the BIA's biggest projects uh, that comes up. Every year, it seems like builders get a chance to show off some of their uh wares and show off some of their different floor plans and some of the trends and things like that. This year, um, BIA is sponsoring the Parade of Homes. And this year and last year, last couple of years, has been a little bit different than what it has been historically. Take a few minutes, John, and tell me a little bit of the history as well as what's coming, what the dates are, who can go, and all those kind of things. Absolutely. The Parade of Homes has been around for, I think this is our 71st year. And the entire concept around the Parade of Homes was to connect um, the consumer with home buyers. And uh, the parade has been just a fantastic event for the association over its history. But somewhere along the line, it did start to morph into more of a um, an event as opposed to that connecting the home buyer to uh, the consumer or to the builder. So a few years ago, we made a switch, and we looked at a lot of other markets and what they were doing. And what they were doing was scattered site home tours, and and that means that homes were located throughout a region. Ten of our last single-site parade of homes were in Delaware County. (laughs) And while there is a lot of great things happening in Delaware County, the entire 10-county region is growing. And I was sitting at a parade in, um, in, in Lewis Center, and a consumer came out to me and said, these homes are great, but none of these builders will come to, to where I live, which was in Fairfield County. And the feedback we kept getting was, we'd love to be participating, but we don't want to, sh- we, we want to showcase where our communities are. So we took a look at what everybody else was doing and in terms of around the country and how they were showcasing their builders. And they were moving to the scattered site format. So this is the third year we've done that. And, what we've really tried to do is focus um, and get your customers, those people who are really in the market for a new home, apartment, or condo, that they get the opportunity to come out and check out communities uh, that maybe they wouldn't see otherwise in a low-pressure environment that the parade inv- uh, the parade provides. And people seem to like the format. We are always going to have people. The only people who are angrier than people at a zoning are people who miss the single-site parade of homes and mm-hmm. – uh, I hear from them on social media regularly, um, and uh, but our job is to serve uh, the broader cons- the the home buyer, the renter who is in the market for looking for, for property, and uh, we this year added rental properties. And I was just going to ask you about that. Some people say, "Well, why do you do that?" Because there's a 95 percent occupancy rate for apartments right now. So if you really want or need an apartment, you need to get out there and see it and get on a list so that you can do so. And um, it allows us to showcase 50% of the products that's being built in this region. And we've got great apartments that people can go see from downtown to Delaware County and and parts all around the region, as well as homes um, uh, from the low 400s all the way up into the um, 2 million plus range. So when does it start? How much does it cost? Um, just go ahead. Yeah, Where can yeah, they find information? Yeah, on they, it? they can go biaparade.com is your best place. You can look at the homes there online, and we're going to keep this up year round so that people can view these homes year round. The first date is going to be Thursday, September 21st, and it'll run through October the 8th, Thursday through Sunday, 
11 to 6, and uh, you can map out your tour and take you turn by turn where you need to go. And all those homes, all that information is online, and it is completely free due to the generous support of our builders and our sponsors this year. It's funny because Gina was telling me, hey, give out free tickets this year. And I was like, well, they don't need tickets anymore. So this is your chance to go out and not feel like you're in a line. Um, and I know last year it seems like people that were going in were a little more serious buyers, whereas previous years – Everybody came in with the camera to see all the decorating ideas. And so, <laughs> and listen, it was a, they were great. They're great homes and they still are many of them that have been there. But to tie this all together to the, to the housing, um, creation in central Ohio, one of the challenges we had with the parade of homes was that sites to hold the parade have become non-existent due to neighborhood opposition. So if you want to see a single site parade of homes, get out there in support of housing so that people can create developments that can hold that that sort of event. Boy, he's serving his uh, community well, isn't he? <laughs> so we only got a little bit of time left, and I keep telling everybody I want to go to some listener questions, and we have just a little bit of time. Gina, give me one quick question before we go. All right. Um, one of the questions that we had, what is the biggest red flag you see in a home inspection? And would you advise the client not to buy because of it? There's very few times I will advise a client not to buy because anything can be fixed. Uh, it's a matter of their comfort level, whatever it is, whether it's mold in the attic, whether it's a, a broken ground fault interrupter. I've seen people walk away for both. And it's every situation is a little bit different. So that's why you need somebody to kind of see you. Um, see you through these things. Well, again, I needed more time with John, and I know he's going to be back. I already told him he's going to be back. So um, next week, we are going to talk with the guy who heads up all the realtors, the Columbus Realtors, Columbus uh, Board of Realtors. So make sure you turn it, tune in next week. And again, look us up on Paul George at or Paul at PaulGeorge.com. This has been the Paul George Real Estate Show with your host, Paul George. Sponsored by the Paul George Real Estate Group. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and not necessarily those of Salem Media Group, staff, management, or advertisers. Tune in next week for an all-new episode of the Paul George Real Estate Show. And follow Paul online at paulgeorgerealestate.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.